Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Matt Slarchik and Peter Fendera. Welcome. We are a podcast where we're going to tackle current health news and hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. Yes, we are, Matthew. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing good. You know, had a long day. Singing out, doing a, doing a podcast. And guys, we're back in Chicago, so that's awesome. Ooh, and it's warm. It's warmer here than it was in Oakland. I know. For some reason, Oakland, guys, it's um, it's warmer there in August instead of the summertime now. So we didn't expect that. And I think I'm kind of upset I didn't get a tan. Right, yeah. I think their winters or their, their summers are now or in August, right? So it's summer here and over there too. But we are in July, so it's kind of still kind of chilly. A little chilly for did me. Did you enjoy a nursing contract? Yeah, I mean, that was fun. It was a real fun, good experience. Highly recommend it. I would definitely do it again. And we felt like we didn't work for two months. Like we had a little vacation, at a vacation, because work was nice there. Mm, yeah, it, was, it wasn't as stressful as it is over here. Recommend it, like I said before. All right, guys, let's roll with it. So today we're going to talk about myths and tips, or myths and facts about gluten. The disinformation that we have about gluten today is really interesting. And we're also going to talk about autism, how high levels of estrogen in the womb is linked to autism based on a journal that was published by Molecular um, Psychiatry. Yeah. So gluten, if you guys know, gluten refers to proteins in, in certain grains like wheat, barley, rye, and some people are insensitive to, to gluten. It triggers the antibodies to release, cause inflammation. Yeah. So gluten is like this little endosperm. It's a tissue which is a, which is produced in the seed and it kind of hangs out there. And when it's getting grounded down in the process, it's flour, like a byproduct. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, endosperm is something that covers the sperm and basically gives off nutrition to the sperm because you got the seed, then look the sperm inside the seed. Does the sperm seed. have a helmet? I'm sure it does, man. I mean, seeds are rough. You know, imagine being in your head yeah, against like the seed wall. Yeah, what a strong piece yeah. of wheat. Concussion. Kids didn't come out with a concussion, <laughs> man. What a plant. Yeah, and like also we have to realize that not all grains are the same. So there's other other um, alternatives for grains that are not um, gluten, which is yeah. oatmeal, one source, but you just have to be careful that it's not like contaminated with other products that are made with wheat. Um, there's also quinoa, which is something I like, wild rice, um, buckwheat white um, rice, buckwheats, mm. and also corn. Yeah, and brown rice. So if you go to Chipotle, you got that bright and brown, brown rice option, brown rice option, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, so do you like corn? For corn? some reason, I feel like it doesn't digest properly. Oh, I like corn. Yeah, I like corn on the cob. I'm not so I'm not so for much like already the. Just the corn, but I like eating after cob. What about yeah. a nice barbecue and then put with a burger nice on the side on it? Ooh, with a burger, could go for Good that food. after this. Yeah. So even though these foods, like Matt said, are gluten-free, they are made in similar factories next to foods with gluten. So a lot of times these machines, you know, have residue on them. That's what causes the the gluten to be in a non-gluten food. You got they got prepped their machines right, so you see that gluten-free label on it. Means it was properly made. But the question is, should you even worry about gluten? And that's something we're going to get into later on in the episode. Yes, we are. So let's talk about like the current health news. Um, the study that was found or published by this journal, it's saying high levels of estrogen is found in the womb and it's directly correlated with autism. As we know, autism is probably something recent that we started hearing about, right? Yeah. Um, this study looked Right, man. Like it's studied the uh, amniotic fluid, the amniotic the fluid babies. of the babies. Yeah, so that's different from the um, estrogen you have 
floating through your body. It's gonna be similar to it, but it's not gonna be the, the same amount as in your blood. Yes. So there's but, a different way to calculate that. Yeah. But high levels of estrogen in the blood is linked to high estrogen in the womb, which yeah. is correlated to this. Okay. So somebody with so somebody with high estrogen would naturally have high estrogen in the in the amniotic fluid, correct? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. It's pretty cool. I know. I mean not really, it's not really cool, but it's cool it's cool information, but it's a serious serious issue that happens. Definitely. Um, and these scientists from the University of Cambridge and the State Serum Institute of Denmark measured four prenatal steroid hormones, uh, which includes androgens, the amniotic fluid. Um, there's also things like estrogen that they checked for, and uh, there's two other hormones. And their study was very, very accurate on what's going on. So they took out of the 100 pregnancies that sampled that they've collected over the years. You said 100 pregnancies? 100,000 pregnancies, yeah. Oh, man. That's so it's actually pretty accurate. Yeah, it's a big study. And they specifically checked um, the fetuses for these this um this hormone mm-hmm. or estrogen. So out of 177 fetuses, 98 of them were positive for developing autism later on. That they've correlated with this um, elevated estrogen. Wow, so 98 out of 100,000 pregnancies. Well, or? 177. So they reduced the sample size to give you like an idea. Oh, of so how, the sample like, size itself was 177, right? Yes. It's still a lot, man. To check, yeah. That's a lot of people going through it. It's, I mean, if you're looking at different studies, it's like kind of small, but how often are you able to kind of, you know, check the fetus yeah. and do tests on it? Like not a lot of mothers will allow that to yeah. happen. The fact that they start with 100,000 and narrowed, narrowed it down to just the 177, it's, it's pretty good of them too. It means the uh, sample size was very similar, you know, yeah. per subject. And I feel like autism, it's very stressful on like families and it'd be, it'd be great to cure. Yeah. And right now, maybe we're in the process of it, but we have to solve that issue of, you know, babies being born with autism with like the care that's happening during pregnancies. Right. And what's interesting is you start thinking about why do you have high levels of estrogen? And there's actually something called hormone disruptors that are at work. And they're found in water, our environment, um, like the plastics, beauty products, especially for females that like literally this, you know, these um, chemicals are literally leaking into our skin, into our bodies, and it's disrupting the thyroid and everything else and causing this imbalance in hormones. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these, um, what'd you say, these, these toxins, so your body could basically fight them off for the most part. In little amounts, but if you have a, like a little bit amount in your like shampoo and a little bit in your dish soap and your body wash, you know that adds up. The FDA or whoever is in control of this isn't looking for such a broad basis. They're looking per product. So yeah, it could let's say one percent. One percent could be safe in one product, but then if you have it in another product, one percent as well. That's two percent. You know, and it just adds up in your body, and everything gets absorbed. Your skin is very porous. Your scalp is very porous. Me and man decided that yeah, I'm. Me and Matt were talking about if um, you could absorb things through, like, your skull. Yeah, because you know, technically like, you have dead tissues yeah. in, in the hair. And how does that work? Yeah, I am probably could look into that beforehand. But your body is porous in general. Your skin is. And you have skin on your head. So obviously dead skin is going to be porous too. It gives out, gives out oil. Yeah. You know, the oil has to come from somewhere. And same way, if it comes out, it has a way to enter as well. You know, so little bit amounts are, are not going to do you that much bad. But this thing... Things add up fairly quickly. And these hormone disruptors are actually causing symptoms in the body. And that's like a sign that your hormones out of balance. So it's not a good time to have a kid if you feel like this is happening. Especially because it affects estrogen. It's like your 
Your sex hormone. It is. You need that to produce another human being. Yeah. And you're already messed with genetics and that, that small of spectrum. Right. Side effects of these hormone disruptors will include weight gain, mood swings, anxiety, loss of sleep, and skin issues, which some may be cancer. Mm. So that's like a cascade of things. And I feel like it's hard to pinpoint anxiety is because my nails are, you know, formaldehyde coated or something. It's hard to like correlate that, but we have to be asking ourselves greater questions and questions that our current society is not asking because we believe that the government's probably, the FDA is doing their job. and Chemtrails. Yeah, that's that's a way different topic. <laughs> but yeah, like we're trusting the FDA to like, with products yeah, that we're base. consuming. And they're doing a bad job because there's some products that, let's just get into it in that case, huh? <laughs> yeah, like that One FDA, of them. we trust the FDA with giving us safe products for, for consumption, you know, and... We're kind of basing off their information, kind of where are they getting their information from? Yeah. You know, they're funded by somebody and then they ultimately make decisions, like who's making those decisions. Yeah. You know. And the FDA, like their job is to basically regulate and screen these products, whether they're safe for us. And a lot of the screens that they do is basically if I'm selling milk, I'm going to run a study on milk and give that to the FDA and see if they approve like my milk product. Like the FDA is not an independent body where they're do- running their own research. Mm-hmm. That's why for a very long time, these food companies, like they're trying to like, you know, like Coca-Cola, for example, all these high sugar foods, like they're doing their own studies and like avoiding milk. And it's yeah. a lobbyist thing, man, to it be can, honest. I don't yeah, want to get into politics. Yeah, it can, it's definitely can, you know, it's a general organization and, you know, they have so much testing to do. I'm sure people have slipped through the cracks or, you know, certain tests are flawed that we don't know about. And that's how it works. So you got to be careful once you consume. Yeah. And we could we found a few products that are linked in like female skincare, beauty stuff that's linked to hormone disruptors, which is causing these high levels of estrogen. One of them, which is very ironic how it's banned in Europe, but it's not banned in the United States. What are we doing, guys? Formaldehyde. It's a known carcinogen. Um, like literally they spray our cadavers in anatomy lab with this stuff and it smells really bad as a distinct smell or yeah, like, taste you, in your right. mouth too. Like you know how you go to lab class and you know the cadavers are out. You know, you, you could smell them and you know they're out and that's the formaldehyde. Makes you want to vomit. Yeah. And this stuff is found in nail products. It's found in hair dye. It's found in fake eyelashes. And it's, I don't know how it gets absorbed, man, but somehow it's messing with our body. Yeah. I mean, like I said, our skin's very porous. Whatever, whatever we put on, you know, that's where it's going to go inside. Like, you got to be careful with tattoos. That's why, do you, like, even with tattoos, yeah, they cut your skin. And if they have, you have a poor tattoo artist, it's not clean. It's going to go to your bloodstream. Yeah. Same with skincare products. You're, you keep applying your moisturizer over and over and over again. You keep using the same condition, just the same shampoo over and over again. It's going to stand your skin. It's eventually going to get absorbed. It's like, yeah, it's like my thing with for, uh, f- fluoride. So I went to the dentist and I had a conversation with them. I, I told them, hey, dent, or hey, doc. I haven't used fluoride for like six months. So if my teeth look worse, let me know. Mm. And he's like, yeah, yeah, actually, they don't look bad. And he's like, you know what? I'm tired of all these dentists pushing this agenda, you know? <laughs> so this guy, little, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a good conversation. He's like, to be honest, like there isn't proof that like Colgate and all these products that have fluoride actually prevent cavities. They prevent some. And a lot of us don't know that these cavities, that they, that these... um products prevent is like when you're like 65 plus because I guess there's different types of cavities mm, or really? the way they're getting like um, 
they're being caused on our teeth. So in our population, if you're under like, let's just say 65 or whatever, like technically fluoride doesn't serve any benefit to you. What it does do, it secretes, um, prevents the pineal gland from producing, I think, a hormone, which um, if you want to get into conspiracies, I guess it raises our consciousness. So, Mm. man, I mean, fluoride, man, if you guys want to get into something deeper here, Hitler, geez. Okay, anyways, (laughs) whatever, we'll do it, you know. Hitler actually used fluoride to, um, like, for eugenics. Wow. And when they gave high dose of to the you know to the Jews, they actually weren't able to produce babies. Wow. So you never know. Maybe fluoride is causing infertility. We gotta find a study on that. Yeah, and I think fluoride's a mouthwash as well. No, so you're imagining if you're swallowing some of it. That I don't know. I know it's in toothpaste though. I think so. Maybe some fluoride. I can take my labels. And it's our drinking water. Oh yeah, there is some because flu- it gets cleaned by fluoride, doesn't it? Doesn't it's, it? Yeah. It's, it, I'm pretty sure fluoride is one of the filtration processes of water. No, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. I wonder if it's on a bottled water label. I wonder if no, it's got, not. I wonder if companies got to label it like fluoride water. Or You'd have to, we do have to push for that. I, I don't think there's. They would not label that. No one would drink water if it's not fluoride. But some places do say fluoride free. Those are like products. No, you would water. need a reverse osmosis filter to mm-hmm. completely get any any byproducts out in your water. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been thinking about mm-hmm. to invest. Yeah, but if fluoride's in your mouthwash, don't swallow your mouthwash. You know, don't drink it. Tide Pods. There was a big thing about eating Tide Pods. One of those had fluoride. Yeah. So if you've been eating Tide Pods, you probably should stop. Or, But you have to realize that yeah. our sublingual gland, which is underneath our tongue, is so dense with, you know, the bloodstream. Just like that's why chewing tobacco is great, right? Yeah. Right, the gum. That, like, you absorb this stuff, unfortunately, without us even realizing yeah, it. Yeah, certain pain makers you give sublingual. Can we give morphine sublingually? No, Something but nitro, nitro. Nitro sublingually, but I think there's some pain makers you always give sublingually too. That like works really well as well. We're drifting off topic. Yeah, a little bit. But. So another skin product that is for sure estrogen stimulating is parabens. So any uh, beauty cosmetic medication with uh, propyl, isopropyl, butyl, it's um, it's on there. It's a preservative to help makeup last longer in the shelf. And unfortunately, it's really bad for you. Yeah. A study published by the Journal of Toxology in 04 detected parabens in breast tumors and discussed estrogen-like properties. Wow. I'm sorry, yeah, discuss. So like, while these aren't directly correlated with the cancer, it's recommended to avoid these ingredients, and yet females are just using these products. I'm sure not everybody, and I'm sure there's probably great beauty products that are paraben-free and everything, and I think it's worth investing a little more for it. Yeah, it's a healthy option. You know, if it's your body, if, like I said, if you're doing a lot of these, especially putting on a lot of makeup, you know, that makeup is going to add up with all, add up with all these parabens. Like yeah. It's going to get ingested. You know, you put them around your eye. Imagine how much, you know, that, I don't know what kind of gross makeup you use, but like whatever, whatever they put around their eyes, I'm sure it gets inside your eyeball at eye some shadow. point. You know, eyeshadow or... Maybe it's eyeliner. Or a powders. Imagine if you're powdering your face, you know, and all that, you're breathing it in. It's getting in your eyes, getting in your nose, getting sublingually, you know, you're yeah. knocked out. How are you going to breathe? Your your estrogen is getting knocked out. Yeah, it's getting it's knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's funny. So, just like some of these ladies out there, you know. Yeah. Last one that we're going to discuss is sulfate, um, aka ether. So, it's known as a formal industrial degreaser and it makes things foamy. And our conditioners have it, makes it nice and smooth. And yet, it's in our, you know, yeah. I try to get sulfate free. <laughs> I'm pushing for that myself. Yeah, there's sulfate free soaps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them have our label, it's like sulfate free. And that's good. Same with like the diethylglycol. It's, 
it's in our like skin products as well and it's like can lead to severe kidney and like brain damage for the most part even bpa bpa is like all those plastics were like it was like a big thing oh, yeah. where your bottle started saying bpa free mm-hmm. like it's it's a plastic that is, is found in it's a, it's a chemical that's found in plastics and it mimics the hormone estrogen which like it just wreaks a bunch of havoc and imbalances everything yeah i know there's a big phase of like having bpa free materials i'm not sure if it's still still labeled like that it has to be right I completely forgot about like BPAs. I haven't checked the label for BPA free for a while. I'm going to start after I, yeah, I'm I a, started researching for this podcast episode. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I'm about to go home, take everything out of the cabinets and look for everything yeah. with BPA. And what's worse is these studies show more than 90% of Americans have some mm-hmm. kind of BPA in their body when they test. Yeah. So it's like a, man. It's, They'll get BPA mixed up with EPA. Yeah, even mercury, man. 84% of the world's fish are contaminated with mercury. And mercury is the reason why it's in our oceans because it's it's a it's a pollutant that is caused by coal power plants and the byproducts of gold mining and cement production, iron and steel production as well. And we just flooded our oceans with them. And now you can't eat a shrimp or a piece of tuna, salmon. Right, mercury got so bad that they used to have mercury in thermostats, and people used to break them. And you could play with mercury. I used to play with mercury. You know, and then like. That's illegal now, or not illegal, but you can't put mercury thermostats anymore. They use a similar liquid to it, but it's not as toxic. So yeah. imagine you're playing with this stuff, and it was going inside your skin through your pores and your fingers. So these skin products, skin this is shows proof to a skincare product that you're putting on, and they're getting absorbed through our body. Yeah. All right, ladies, that's enough for that. So no so, more makeup. That's it. Yeah, just you. You guys are beautiful. And just stay that way, you know. <laughs> but anyways, just easy on the makeup. Be cautious of what you're, you know, putting on your face. Check the labels and make sure your makeup is on fleek. Yeah. These research studies that we looked at, they, they show that higher estrogen causes autism in kids. Yeah. You know, and it's a struggle. Next topic of discussion. Mm. Back to this gluten. I'm actually very passionate. Not passionate, but I like this topic because I really thought for a very long time that me switching to gluten-free products and spending a little more was worth it. And after, you know, looking at the facts, I think it's more a myth. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it, what I had for dinner. I had a sloppy joe, you know, the, the buns for sure had gluten. Yeah. I had mac and cheese, probably had gluten. And I, I was fine. You know, that's, that's, all, that's all flour for the most part, a it lot is. of carbs. It's, think, for, it's for sure unhealthy, yeah. so. My buns for sure didn't, didn't have the gluten-free label on it. So the mac and cheese pasta, no, it was for sure gluten. Hmm. Maybe gluten was probably added, you know. Yeah. This, this mess with me for this episode. Yeah. So we know what gluten is. It's found in grain. It's found in wheat, barley, and rye. So we can move forward on that. Commonly in bread, pasta, pizza, cereal, anything with those three ingredients as gluten. Yeah, and then your alternatives for those would be brown rice, buckwheat, wild rice, and quinoa. Yeah, so the... the population that should avoid gluten is uh, people with celiac disease they develop like an immune reaction by eating gluten and it causes inflammation it damages the intestinal tract and part of the body that's the people that have celiac disease should completely avoid gluten that's without a doubt but according to studies and statistics only one percent of the population has celiac disease so most people shouldn't be gluten-free. Yeah, that's on 1%. And it's a genetic disease, right? Because, I mean, so you got to be born with it, ultimately. You don't just 
I'm guessing some people do develop it out of the blue, I'm sure. Yeah. But usually you're born with celiac disease. So it's not like you're not in celiac one day and then bang next day you're gluten free. You know, if that happens, it's the process develop over time and it's with your genetics. Yeah. And people that have celiacs and just kind of go with it, go with the symptoms, what happens is their absorption starts halting because this the intestines are literally getting damaged with this little villi, you know, and everything and they start developing symptoms, they continue and just gets worse and worse. And like if it's left untreated, um, it's been linked to iron deficiencies, uh, miscarriages, lactose intolerance, different vitamin and um, mineral deficiencies due to the lack of absorption. We have pancreatic insufficiency. That's an interesting correlation. I'm not sure how that process exactly works. That has been linked with diabetes as well, right? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Gallbladder malfunction. So... Yeah, I once thought for some reason you got your gallbladder removed. No, it wasn't really I had appendicitis, appendicitis when I was in eighth grade. I don't know why I thought gallbladder. I'm like, wow, man, has, had a, has a gallbladder removed? You're probably wondering why I take those pills to help me digest fat, right? <laughs> no, nah, I was thinking why well, you don't take any kind of medication. I was like, this, this guy, maybe, I'm like, maybe you don't need a gallbladder. It's all a broccoli. <laughs> um, and if you're gluten sensitive, you might develop symptoms such as bloating, diarrhea, abdominal pain headaches, you might be feeling tired, and those skin issues. So if you're feeling any of those, you should start maybe thinking of going to a doctor and getting a test done, right? I think before that, you should look at the foods you're eating because a lot of these foods that contain gluten also have high carb. So maybe you're just consuming too much carbs. Maybe it's not the gluten is the issue, it's the crappy food you're eating. So before you even like see a doctor, just look at what you're eating and try to eliminate some carbs. Yeah. Because a lot of times after you eat a lot of carbs, a lot of pasta. Imagine, yeah, having a, like a pasta night, you know, before a sport. You, know, you go home, you, you know, you're bloated, you're uncomfortable. That's because you ate a lot of carbs, not necessarily the pasta. Yeah, you got you to gotta be conscious of it. Just start writing down what you eat and notice when your symptoms occur. And they start make, connecting the dots, like what did I eat for this to happen? And start looking at the, f- start correlating the foods and eliminate that and yeah. see how you feel. Yeah, literally take one food at a time. Avoid one food for a week, see if that changes anything. If it doesn't, try it again, and then just go on a process. You know, if you're eating, like, white bread, change to, like, uh, black bread or brown bread. It still might have gluten in it, but maybe just the white bread had too much carbs in it. Yeah. And it was slowing you down. Um, let's get into this. One little statistic here. So according to the Consumer Reports, 63% of Americans believe that a gluten-free diet is will improve their mental and physical well-being. Yeah, Do, were you part of that statistic? I was not. I when I heard about the gluten diet first, I was, or gluten free diet first of all, I was like, why are we doing this? And it's a celiac disease. And I was like, I celiac. I'm like, first of all, I haven't even heard of celiac disease when it first came out. So I'm like, that's probably pretty rare. And like you said, it is one percent. But a lot of people have this intuition of if this person is avoiding it and it's helping them, then maybe it's good for me. All right. I mean, that's true. That's kind of how fad star as well. That. People push this agenda, you know, that gluten-free is healthier for you. It's not being gluten-free. It's the one that's bulking you up, slowing, slowing you down, and giving you all these issues, diarrhea. You know, yeah, I mean, that's probably not the reason, but the fact that you eliminated all these foods that you were eating before, that's what's helped your GI issues, yeah. not necessarily the gluten-free part. You just cut down your carbs, stop eating as much bread and pasta, and guess what? Now you feel better. Oh, for sure, I have celiac disease in that case. Like, no. Did you, self, did you diagnose it? Is it a diagnosis? No. And, and remember, like, the law of attraction. Like, sometimes you could bring on disease is what I'm starting to research. Yeah. Like, if you think you have something, 
it's somehow gonna like you know come into life in reality like the law of attraction man like you could bring on disease through your mind yeah you, definitely so you have to can. be very careful with your dialogue yeah. well we have many diseases this disease has a test so if you go to your doctor and you get your blood tested they could tell you if you have celiac disease or not they have a serum blood test uh, that looks for antibodies of, of, the, of the gluten i guess and that's what they test for and there's also a genetic testing where they find gen- genetic markers and they'll tell you if you have it or not yeah. So like I'm saying, if somebody tells me, hey, yeah, I self-diagnosed myself with celiac disease, I'm like, no, you don't self-diagnose yourself. You, know, you can't self-diagnose yourself with celiac disease. You got to run your blood. You know, you got to shoot genetics if you have it. You can just say, oh, I have celiac disease. A lot of people do that. Yeah, just, because, the just because you have diarrhea and bloating once in a while. I'm like, yeah, that shit happens to me too. I'm sure it happens to you, man. You know, <laughs> after like a long, like a, doing a lot of activity. Spicy food. Yeah, hit like a... Like a meal before you work out, you drink your pre-workout, you know, and then your heart rate's pumping because you're lifting weights. Yeah, I'm probably going to have a, a wet stool afterwards, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's just how it works, you know, not necessarily because I have gluten. It's just, yeah, you overreact the bowel. Yeah. And, if, and we also have to take into consideration industry, the food industries. So in 2016 alone, they spent $15.5 billion on gluten-free products. So this diet is also driven by... Not only like, you know, social media and all these celebrities like going gluten free and they're losing weight and they're feeling good. So that's like a fad. It's also very consumer, you know, driven by, you know, marketing. What is it? Retail, manufacturing, all these companies that have a little piece of the pie to make money. Yeah, that's how it works. You know, whoever has the most marketing money or marketing dollars is probably going to do better than a person that doesn't. Unless you have a genuine product or some genuine research. Yeah. So the two people that should avoid gluten, it's people with celiac disease or it's anybody that's gluten sensitive. So that would be basically getting like a little allergy test done on your skin to see if you have a wheat allergy. So if you're allergic to wheat, you might be gluten sensitive and you should also maybe go gluten free. Yeah. And celiacs. That's it. You could go cold turkey if you want, but sometimes all it takes is just decreasing some some bread that you eat. Then it usually brings it down. Or you can, or what happens is you consume a lot of gluten at one time, and then it flares up, and the next day you feel better, or like the maybe not the next day, but the probably two or three days after that, and you just notice the happening every time you eat these, you know, these gluten filled filled foods, and slows you down. So you might not be gluten, um, you might not eat any gluten free, but like I said, with the sensitivity, you could just decrease your gluten and you'll be fine. Well, it's probably the carbs. It's the carbs. And if anybody that's wondering, that's like this little science nerd, what they're exactly checking for in order to check for, um, what is it called? Celiac. Celiac disease. It's an antibody protein that indicates an immune reaction to gluten. Yeah. Have you have have you gotten an allergy test done before? No. I did when I was younger, but I had like the super basic one. I don't know what a super basic one is. There's like different tiers and different uh, quality of the tests. And... um. Mine had some like I don't remember what they were, but it had like like two pages worth of stuff. I'm like, how does it make it make sense? Like, what if I'm said grass? Like, all right, like I'm I've played in grass. That's you know, funny know, as it's hell. So weird, yeah. You know, it's funny as hell when I read the patient's chart and says I'm allergic to grass. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> can't go outside. Yeah, like, <laughs> breathe grass in, yeah. and you're messed up. Yeah, man. Man, you, know, you might just stay here. We'll just keep put, put you in a TB room yeah. and just filter the air. And, What's yeah. a funny allergy? Did you notice? I, I'm patient? trying to think. A lot of I see is like food allergies for the most part, but that's like by choice. And what about tuna oil? I had one that like tuna, tuna oil. oil. I never had tuna just oil. some goofy stuff. <laughs> I never had tuna oil. But I had like a lady with like with like six different vegetables on there. And she just didn't like them. 
You know, she couldn't have like spinach, any kind of greens. You know, like her plate came with no vegetables at all. No yeah. tomatoes, no nothing. It was like six vegetables on there. And also sometimes patients that have these allergies in their like charts, sometimes it's like a side effect of what they consumed. And it's not even a real allergy. Right. I'm trying to think of a funny one. It's just like... Yeah, it's all right. If you think of it, we'll come back to it. NSAIDs, bleeding. Ble- like some very goofy. Like, yeah, you, you might bleed a little bit when you cut yourself, you know? It's a side effect. Yeah. So why do you think this is so popular, though? Like we talk about a lot of marketing. To yeah. Do, do and it's, that, right? it's probably the celebrities. They've brought it up. It's the industry, what they're paying. It's like nowadays, which I think we should cover next week, keto diet. Like when I went to the vitamin shop, there was literally two full rows of keto supplements and everything like that so gluten was probably a fad man yeah i i completely agree that's gluten's a fad there's actually one uh one guy nurse uh where i work at he's he's pretty swole and he does keto he does keto and then keto i'm not i forgot what keto was actually was but it's actually high pro, high protein low carb right necessarily yeah. keto and high fat that's that's how it works and i mean do looks i mean pretty well i mean if i was to judge another man he's decent you know, I wonder how these CrossFit athletes or an athlete in general, I wonder what kind of diets they use. Do they eat everything? So one thing I found that supposedly mm-hmm. it's not evidence that athletes that eat gluten-free are actually able to have more endurance and strength. Hmm. But they haven't completely tested it. But that's what athletes are also like a little category of people that don't eat gluten for that aspect. But is it is it because they're limiting a lot of high-carb foods maybe? We got your athlete on here. LeBron. LeBron on here. Maybe we'll, we'll see. Maybe LeBron will get one of our ads. If you guys you know. help us, you know, grow and... Uh, mo- maybe one of LeBron's kids are going to become nurses. Yo, LeBron, <laughs> if your daughter or someone want to be a nurse, you know, we got you, man. Yeah. We got a course just for her. And we got a basketball court next door. So you can go ahead and <laughs> drop your kid off and then we can just go play ball. Right. Matt will teach I'll play ball. I got you. Yeah. Um, you crack me up, man. <laughs> So where we got all our information about gluten, it's a, it was an independent peer-reviewed journal of gastrology and hepatology that um, looked at countless studies that made this correlation that gluten-free doesn't really show any evidence to help our, pop, uh, our population that does not have celiacs or gluten sensitivity. Yeah, like a lot of these foods that you're going to avoid because you're going to try and eat gluten-free, they're fortified. They're fortified with vitamins um, and nutrients. Like if you ever look at the cereal box, guys, and you see like niacin, vitamin A, C, B, like thymine, all that stuff yeah, is fortified iron, yeah. with gluten products. And if you're, you go gluten-free, you are risking being malnourished because of that. Yeah, especially if you go go gluten-free and you properly didn't research the subject and foods that you could uh, switch out for, for other ones, you're going to in that trap where you're not going to know what to eat so you're just going to avoid the whole subgroup yeah like you're going to avoid the grains in general because you're not sure if they have gluten or not you're not going to sh- know what kind of grains to eat because like you said you're eating gluten-free so you're going to miss out like matt's a lot of cereals are fortified a lot of grains are fortified a lot of rice are fortified you know milk's fortified a lot of foods are fortified for a reason because people yeah. consume consume a lot of them and that's one way to get all those micronutrients in you yeah so that's one potential harm and also they're linking that when you go gluten-free you tend to consume a higher fat diet for some reason. So you're you're risking hyperlipidemia, you're risking hyperglycemia because of that, coronary artery disease, and also financial costs. A lot of people don't know. Yeah, this actually reminds me of the time when we decided to go vegan. That was and, a good time. And like, uh, it was cool when we were in like Colorado and California, but once we came back here to Chicago, we did this last year. So being vegan wasn't as big as, as it is now. So 
It's still like, big, man. It's I mean it's big now, but it wasn't as big before. Okay. You know, but now it's huge. But we didn't didn't really know what to eat because we didn't have as much options that we did as we did over there back in California. Um, so we try to go and <laughs> go vegan, and like as soon as we got here, we were good for like three days, and then slowly over time we just we saw that we had an increase in um, Oreo consumption. Sugar, fat. Which is sugar because you know they're vegan, so I could just eat them all the time. Yeah. You know, I think I'm I'm being healthy, right? I'm not eating meat. I'm not eating kind of anything living, anything from an animal. So, you know, I'm super healthy. So I'm just gonna chew with these Oreos. But it was like a case a day, easy, double stuffed, <laughs> you know, with some peanut butter. You know what I'm saying? That was good. It was, it was fun times. So yeah. So technically, you're vegan, but you're abusing the diet and not consuming, yeah. you know, plants and. But damn, did I miss meat, man? Did you miss yeah. I think I miss cheese more than cheese. anything when I went vegan. But I, I love vegan cheese, cheese guys so much. Yeah. I put I put vegan cheese at every single meal, every, just just so I get, could taste something different. The diet know? cheese. Yeah, the diet cheese. I had a weird smell. Yeah, but dude, it was really good jackfruit. Jackfruit, jackfruit like barbecue. Was it was like pulled pork. I would eat my gluten free buns. I had gluten free pasta. I had that's the when I found out about zero calorie and zero carb pasta. One time this Filipino nurse brought like a whole jackfruit. Like I'm telling you, these things are freaking ja- It's like 10 pineapples, one jackfruit. It's such a huge thing. Yeah, like, huge. We saw that in California like, too. Like a pumpkin. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We should have bought one, damn it. Yeah. So since we're talking about like consumption and food, um, one thing I found, so it was a cost comparison analysis of gluten-free products versus gluten-containing products in um, two large grocery stores. Uh, they compared 56 different products. Um, what they found is... The average price of a gluten-free product was a dollar seventy-one, and a gluten-free or gluten-containing product was a dollar and sixty-one cents. So, on average, gluten-free products were two hundred and forty-two percent more expensive yeah. than regular products. So, the gluten-free was dollar seventy-one, and and the gluten-filled was sixty-one cents. Mean. It was a mean. So oh. they took analysis of all fifty-six mm. different products yeah. and they did a mean study. Yeah, those were point sixty-one. Compared to yeah. 171. So 242 more percent. Yeah. Yet with no extra benefits. So mm-hmm. you guys are paying more money for gluten free products and it doesn't serve you any more health. No, it actually makes your health worse because you're yeah. forgetting to eat those key ingredients and those, you're not getting all those micronutrients. Yeah. Micronutrients what, would well. make, what would make you more healthy is if you're switching over to more vegetables. If you're going gluten free and you're going more like a plant-based diet you're reaping benefits but if you're just switching over to the same old sugary products that gluten products are they just they got the gluten you're spending more money and you're not reaping any extra benefits right if you go from like flour folk chocolate cake you know to oreos it's not gonna do you much no if you're going from you said uh Gluten chocolate cake, which made out is made out of flour to whole oils. wheat flour, <laughs> yeah. like it's uh, not doing anything yeah, better, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it says gluten free. Mm-hmm. That's something, man. That's that's, a, that's that's definitely a fad, guys. This Don't fall for myth a trap. is um, debunked. I wish we had the gavel to just hit it. To uh, kinda... Do you have the gavel here, or is that my house? I have no idea. Well, we should bring it onto the show. It'd be pretty cool, man. Yeah. So we should end the episodes. Yeah. Gavel, you've been served, you've been nursed, you've been nursed, guys. I think we kind of dragged this episode on a little bit. Yeah, that's all right. I'm sure people will enjoy it. Yeah, we're having a good time, guys. If you guys like these little long-form, goofy videos, or if we go on analytics and we see an increase in um, duration time because of this kind of stuff, we'll, we'll you know promote more of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys for listening to us. Subscribe. 
tell your friends, tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your mom, tell your dad. Spread the good news about us. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, get your blood checked for estrogen. Get your blood, check, blood checked for gluten th- intolerance. And if it's good, eat that shit. Gluten's good. <laughs> Have a good day, guys. See you guys.